0: Um. It, so you're you're um. So you're you're buying you're buying one ad a week from. I'm the D- two ads
1: a week in the Times. Okay. And I sponsor the pet. They got the pet. Th- well, I sponsor what is it? Uh, Sudoku on the puzzle, and uh, it used to be the comic page. Now it's the Tom Tomorrow page, <laughs> and the photo scavenger hunt. And then we also sponsor. Someone used to sponsor the uh pet of the week and we took over that a couple of years ago
0: how do the i mean how how do you like the the just the general sponsorship versus like a a traditional ad placement
1: uh it's much cheaper than traditional ad cheap ad if i was doing a traditional ad cheaper ad placement Mm -hmm. i could pick where i wanted to be in the paper i could pick above the fold but it's going to cost me more yeah by sponsoring something like the Pet of the Week and the Sudoku, I give up flexibility because I, but I know where I'm going to be. Yeah, and I can't I lose a little bit of control because I have to have the Sudoku puzzle in there, and I have to have the pic, the Pet of the Week in there. That's part of the deal if you sponsor.
0: Are you uh, are you have you always been an animal?
1: Oh yeah, guy? I've got six cats. So <laughs> uh, only one of which I actually wanted. <laughs> that's that's
0: generally how cats go right
1: yeah the rest of them all kind of uh moved in or i was feeding they were all feral and okay i'm gonna stop i'm tired of going out feeding you at oh 10 o'clock at night in below freezing weather you're <laughs> coming inside where it's warm they weren't and they adapted to oh We get warm, wet. We get a warm place to sleep. We get regular food. We get fresh water.
0: Yeah, I can live with this. (laughs) So, you know, and your cats regularly make an appearance in your Three Things That Made Me Happy Today. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) That's the wonderful thing about cats, dogs, animals, and pets in general. They, They don't need a lot of. They're not going to get mad at you because of something you did or say, because as far as they're concerned, they're going. Blah, blah, blah. They have no <laughs> idea what you're saying, and even when I step on them, it's okay. Here, have a kitty treat, and they're back rubbing up against me again. Right, a human is likely to bear a grudge or be uh, irritated about you and sit there and quietly fume animals, generally, as long as you don't consistently hurt them, they don't have a memory about that sort of thing. They're going to be running, they're going to be, you're, you, you hurt your dog, you step on its feet because it's getting underfoot, and five minutes later, it's bat wanting to be its head scratched again. <laughs> now, if you are a stupid piece of garbage that continually hurts a dog, then yeah, then you're going to, I've got a friend who, her dog, she adopted a rescue dog, mm-hmm. and that dog does not like anybody. Uh, she's the only one it to will tolerate because it was abused earlier in its yeah.
0: life. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the. I, I I struggle with this in the in the group because I'm I'm not a I'm not a pet person, so I don't have a whole lot of context for what is sure. proper pet etiquette and what is not. So like I we had somebody yesterday that just posted. Ah, you know, here are these dogs. It's like, okay, well, are these lost dogs or these dogs you're just trying to give away Mm -hmm. just because you're giving away dogs? And it's like, no, I'm not I'm not going to just be a pet dumping ground. Like if we're if we're helping to find lost pets, that's one thing. But if we're just, you know, owners that that have, you know, for one reason or another decided that ah they can't do the pet thing anymore. It's like there's a there are proper channels for that. To go through, you know, go talk to your humane society or or to St. Francis and be like, "Hey, I've I've got these pets that I can no longer care for." Okay,
1: so what is the purpose of what WTF Carbondale then?
0: Oh, that's uh, so that's a that's a good question. What is the purpose of WTF Carbondale? Um, it 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 goes down to uh, community self reporting, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it is it is the idea that that folks can can observe, uh, engage, and story tell. Uh, themselves as part of this, you know, broader, um, you know, uh, entity that is uh, the physical community of Carbondale, right? So for for me, um, coming, you know, coming from a very like a digital first um, kind of uh, marketing, branding, and communication background, um, what I've what I've really picked up on in the last several years is that self-reporting is an action that is replacing uh, traditional reporting like the Carbondale Times or, or like the Southern Illinois and just because of the volume uh, and the rate with which media uh, hits uh, the the uh, consumer mm-hmm. right so so how do you how do you maintain a level of integrity and and um? You know checks and balances that a, a traditional, uh, you know, news reporting organization maintains, but have that open to folks, and that comes kind of twofold. One is a, a little bit of moderation, uh, as as you know, administrators of a group or of a digital space. The other side of it is uh, the self moderation. Of the people in that digital space, so people, you know, and their interactions and their their criticisms uh, or their welcoming of particular types of content that directs whether or not something is is you know a a uh, you know legitimate piece of communication in uh, the the larger public sphere.
1: Okay. Now, when W T F Carbondale started off, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. it was seemed to be a forum for. Oh my God, I can't believe this, this actually happened. This <laughs> seemed to be a really stupid thing that somebody did. Here's mm-hmm. a picture of it. And now it appears to have morphed into more of a community bulletin board. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call it actually a report because it's by it. It, it, it. People generally post on it either when they're looking for something, which seems to be like a next door type of feature, mm-hmm. but you don't have to register. I don't need to register for one more social media uh, if I can use that. And a this is something that's irritating me and i want to let everybody else know about it Mm -hmm. for them yeah is that correct
0: oh yeah i mean people the people that participate guide what the group ultimately ends up being at any given point in time right Mm -hmm. so early on in the group the uh there there was the you know a, a a lot of back and forth you know i remember specifically the the argument over Uh, you know people plastering things on the side of trash cans Mm -hmm. right and and the and the argument over that that was one of the initial catalysts to growth within the group but really the the that's just one silo of the brand overall right so while while it's been pigeonholed pretty um, you know hard into the the Group is what defines the brand. It's only existed for about one year, a little mm-hmm. over a year, uh, whereas the brand itself uh, was uh, uh, was created in 2015. Not mm-hmm. even by me. It was something that was actually gifted to me um, by the folks that started it um, when I just asked for access for one thing that I wanted to argue about on the internet for and use the platform. <laughs> so it's just it it is continually. Transformed over that time, um, some of it being you know me using it for for personal. Once uh, it sometimes being just seeing silly things on the street and wanting to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, now evolving into uh, something where you know I, I want to use it as a a broad-based community resource. Whether it's the group where people have these interactions and the call and response, whether it's something like the podcast now. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where it's creating something that is a referenceable catalog of uh, individuals and activities over the span of many decades here mm-hmm. in Carbondale, right? People that can tell stories about what it was like many many years ago, or people that talk about their experiences here and now, or people saying this is what the future looks like to me? Mm-hmm. So uh, and then the you know the the possibility of of the next step of this, which I haven't gone out publicly and talked about yet, but this is a really good spot to do so because you're somebody that very much understands and is, and is, and is engaged in media, um, would be going to a, a, uh, you know, a digital news, uh, reporting, uh, -hmm. platform trying to pick up, uh, some of the, some of the space where, uh, you know uh, just a, a general lack of resources with uh, our our traditional uh, reporting mechanisms like the Carbondale Times and and the Southern Illinois where they're seeing a, a reduction in their resources and and um, you know having a, a vacuum occur there something's going to fill that mm-hmm. right the question is what what is it
1: well what needs to be and this is one of the things that is both WTF uh, and Carbondale Gazette don't do. I do it I more than the WTF does, and what the paper, like the Times and the Southern, do is cover local civics. Yeah. Uh there I was just looking at yes yes Friday's Carbondale Times. They've got a thing here on kids corner the city extends kids' corner lease for another year. This is one of the things local media does and uh, the the papers and to a lesser extent, the radio, because I know uh, WSIU mm-hmm. gets local people on and interviews the, the mayor and the chancellor of SIU, uh, mm-hmm. m- I believe, monthly. But they're going to send people out to uh, cover city council meetings. Nobody posting on WTF Carbondale is going to go sit up, sit on a city council meeting out of their own uh Civic interest, and then post a report of it on uh, WTF Carbondale. I do it on occasion on the Gazette, but I, I it's not as much fun when I can't when I have to do it over Zoom because Zoom's a pain in the tucus. <laughs> I have missed a lot more when I could walk down to City Council. I would sit mm-hmm. in, and a lot of times it would be me, uh, one guy getting up to complain about something to city council, and then a couple of representatives uh, from the Southern and the Carbondale Times. And that was it. Yeah. And that is a very – that is one of the important things that local media does is report on what your city government is doing, and and a lot of people – don't have any interest, don't want to take the time to listen to a meeting. Like I did not know that the city had extended the Kids' Corner lease for another year until I read about it on the front page of the Times here. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's research showing that if a city loses its local, especially its local newspapers, mm-hmm. because radio and TV anymore are not going to cover City council meetings, unless there's something of really high interest, Mm -hmm. you are going to see a decline in people going out to vote in local elections. And off year elections are abysmal. I think in the last prime, in the city council elections this year, we had maybe 10% of the population of Carbondale's population come out and vote. Mm -hmm. And you're also going to see your taxes go up because there's nobody covering. And broadcasting to the community that this is what your elected representatives are going to do. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were uh, the bond issue that had been voted on uh, about 10 years ago to pay for new roofs at the high school. Mm-hmm. That was paid for by sales tax. It was scheduled to expire. City Council voted. And to go ahead, rather than bringing a new issue, rather than letting it lapse and going to the trouble of bringing a new issue to up before the voters to get, hey, we want to raise this, we need money, uh, the city needs funding, we need to raise uh, the city the sales tax up again. They just went ahead and passed a resolution exp- continuing to expand, extend that, period, that, that sales tax. I'm afraid that's going to happen with the Saluki way sales tax when that expires. And I think that's about five or eight years, mm-hmm. but, and because they won't if you don't put it because most people are not going to vote for an extension of that, but the city does need money. God knows we have lost a lot of revenue in the last year since a lot of our funding comes from sales taxes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, the, um, I, I, it it's the the it is so much easier to roll over absolutely the those activities and and it just right because it the there you know everybody's interests you know align differently right the 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 interest is in the actual policy Mm -hmm. action right the for for the city not necessarily in the broadcasting component of it right and that's where the, the critical aspect of sure. local news comes into play because their interest is in the broadcasting and what is in the best interest of the people is to simply be knowledgeable yeah. of these things, right? You can make up your own opinion one way or the other and then act on that accordingly, but if you don't know,
1: what's you have going no on? interest at all. <laughs> and that's the job of local media is yep. to get, even though newspapers are not as widely read as they used, to, I know the times we go through. We get in about oh, eight or ten at the store, and people we'll go through about half, two thirds of them, of course, of a week. I think they get picked up more at places like Kroger and Schnucks, where mm-hmm. there's more foot traffic. But it's important. People should read if you're not going to go to a city council meeting, and a lot of
0: people can't.
1: A lot of people don't even know when they are.
0: <laughs> yeah, t- Tuesday nights at Tuesday six nights o'clock on every the other and Tuesday night the- at six. Do what? Sorry.
1: Every other night, every other Tuesday night yep. at 6. <laughs> preceded generally by the Liquor Control Commission meeting in case mm-hmm. you want to know if you're getting another bar or what's happening with liquor licenses mm-hmm. in Carbondale. That's the best place to find out for them what's going on there.
0: So this this ties into a really interesting point on self-reporting, and I'm going to do the break-in for the intro for episode 55 of the WTF Carbondale podcast with Scott Thorne, uh, a marketing Professor, a owner of a very cool uh and an iconic uh business here in in Carbondale, a, a generally uh involved citizen um on the WTF Carbondale podcast where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives and tie it all back together to this little old place we call home Carbondale, Illinois. Obligatories out of the way. There we go. Um so so this ties into um you know, the, the component of self-reporting in, in my mind uh, on this, right, because accessibility, um, you know, helps to draw, you know, self-reporting drives uh, uh, accessibility. And in the case of city government, right, it's, it would be as simple as broadening where uh, the filmed and, and streamed and documented city council meetings are visible. Right? right now, all we do is we, we film them and then they go on the website, but they're not accessible through any other um, you know, platform that, that the city has, YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook, what have you. And in the case of like Marion, you know, they post all of their city council meetings to YouTube, right? Yeah. The city may consider, oh, well, we've got our internal mechanism, right? Our internal mm-hmm. mechanism that we control and, and have guidance over that's ideal for us. But on the other side of it, it's the question of, well, where are the people? right the people mm-hmm. aren't necessarily on the city's website three links in you know and clicking on the most recent city council meeting the people are on youtube the people are on yep. facebook you have to put it right in front of them so that they'll consume it mm-hmm. uh, and that's very much you know what the purpose of local reporting is is to put that right in your face so that it's not tough for you to go through the motion of accessing that information
1: But self-reporting comes with an implicit bias. Yes, absolutely. If I am interested in a topic, I am going to post, I'm going to write on that, I'm going to focus on that, I'm going to worry on that like a dog on a bone, to Mm -hmm. use the old cliche. A reporter who is generally more objective Although all objectivity in newspapers or media in general is a relatively comparatively recent phenomenon, it only dates back, I think, to the late 1920s, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Prior to that, local media was owned by political machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Southern would have been supporting either Democratic or Republican candidates and would be an organ espousing that, that position. On in not only on its opinion page, but in the way in which it covered news. Mm-hmm. As newspapers got more competitive and more, of, I believe at one time, Carbondale had two papers a day. being mm-hmm. And this was typical for most, uh, most communities because there was so much news. And that was the only way you got news out there and people were willing to buy it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that you can get news 24 hours a day through your phone, through your TV through your computer, it's hard for a print medium to keep up with that sort of thing. So they, uh, and that was what led them to become objective because that was one way to compete with all the other media coming into the market was, okay, we're not going to be biased. We're going to present a more uh, balanced view of the news. And then you, to quote Fox News, <laughs> we report, you decide. Uh-huh. And that was common, that became more, more a common standard from the 1930s up until about the 1980s. The Fairness Doctrine had mm-hmm. a lot to do with that as well. And mm-hmm. the repeal of the Fairness Doctrine meant that I don't have to provide both or give a platform to both sides anymore. Mm-hmm. I can provide my own side and you can go find your own way to get your message out.
0: <laughs> it's it's concerning. Yes, you know, it I, is. I talked to I talked to Jack Titchener about this on the podcast several several months back and we we didn't go too in depth into it but at least touched on it like well what what is our what is one of our, you know, core issues with, you know, the modern media world and that is, you know, the the um, uh, you know, the dissolution of the Fairness Doctrine and, and uh, you know, people having to be compelled uh, to mm-hmm. present uh, some level of objectivity in uh, the content that they release uh, as uh, news.
1: Okay. Well, there's also the fact that there are so many more channels of that you can go for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go watch CNN. I can read the Carbondale Times. I can go to Explore Carbondale. I can go to MSNBC. I can read the WAPO. I can read the Wall Street Journal. I can, God help me, go to (laughs) (laughs) InfoWars. And uh, prior to 1980, when CNN came on the market, uh, you had pretty much the, if you wanted national news, Mm -hmm. you had ABC, you had CBS. You had NBC, you might be able to pick up some PBS, they had some, and then you had the Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Chicago Tribune. You had a very limited, especially if you were getting news over TV, Mm -hmm. you only had three places to go for your news. They all gave you pretty much the same story, and then you got the same facts. You could make your own opinions from those facts, but today I can go pick and choose who I want to uh, provide, a how I want my news slanted. Mm -hmm. Do I want a strong liberal bias? I'm going to go to the Young Turks. Mm -hmm. If I want a conservative bias, I'm going to go to Breitbart. Mm -hmm. If I want a moderate, middle-of-the-road bias, then I'm going to still go to ABC, CBS, and NBC. Mm -hmm. But even then, you're going to find, oh, those are horribly biased. (laughs) And they are. If you are watching something like Fox, yeah, Mm -hmm. they're going to seem biased. And similarly, if I watch MSNBC, I'm going to see Fox is horribly biased.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and this gets us into the, the murkiest of waters as marketers of what is the truth. Right? And there, you know, the. the Oh, truth is objective. (laughs) Your perception
1: of it Mm -hmm. is not. Yeah. If I drop this newspaper on the floor, that happened. Yeah. Now, your perception did I do this in a fit of pique? Did I just do this to demonstrate something? Did I do this because I'm angry with what's in the newspaper? How you watch it. Um, If you only see. A edited verse, say twenty seconds
2: mm-hmm.
1: of it. You have no idea what happened before. Uh, before I tossed this paper
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the floor, you could draw your. And unfortunately, you have a whole lot of other people who make money off of offering their interpretations of why I dropped this newspaper on the floor.
0: <laughs> I. So so this this kind of gets me into uh, something something that that I I see so clearly in uh, just the short amount of conversation we've had already, Scott, is how engaging you can be in a classroom.
1: (laughs) Tell my students that. (laughs) Do what? Tell my students that. (laughs) Zoom has been a pain.
0: It's very
1: hard to come across, to, to engage people in a in a classroom, when they're all st- when you have you're staring at a bunch of black boxes. Oh, the, yeah, on a yeah I, I yeah. forgot
0: the these. The we Zoom are in components. Canton.
1: In, yeah, it's an epidemic, and we're still concerned about it. And yeah, so that is a problem with Zoom. It's really hard to develop a rapport mm-hmm. with somebody when you're staring at a black box with a little mute symbol down in the corner <laughs> and a name.
0: Yeah, most of
1: them, most people don't even have pictures up on their screens. It's, I, I got a name.
0: Well, before, um, but let's, let's talk about the before times. <laughs> okay. Oh, back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, back, back, when, back when light came from fire. No, <laughs> um, the, have, is this, man, there's just, you've really opened me up on this guy. And I, and I appreciate that because there's so many interesting uh, directions that I, that sure. I want to go uh, on this. And I guess I'll, I'll rewind a little bit further and ask the question of what, what drew your interest to you know, media to marketing to news to all of these things, is this something that you've always been interested in? Nah. Or is this? Okay. No, but it was recently. I don't know why.
1: I just uh, – well, part of it was I got kind of uh, – again, it was self-interest. Uh-huh. I got uh, – well, I've looked at media, and I'm interested in consumer behavior, mm-hmm. why people do what they do. Mm-hmm. So, again, the whole bi- implicit bias yeah. thing and confirmation bias and uh, – uh, satisficing versus satisfying why we want to spend money on experiences rather than products. And that just, that, but frankly, got me, what got me was the Saluki way tax. I was just so, <laughs> did not like the idea because I teach sport marketing as well. And all the evidence out there, unless you go and look for biased uh, stuff that supports you, but in general, you are not going to find any evidence uh, that is that shows that putting taxpayer dollars into a sports arena is going to generate a, any additional revenue mm-hmm. for the community. Mm-hmm. At best, it's a break-even proposition. Mm-hmm. And we and I got kind of bugged me. We had our the, the city council was gone favor of this. We had, of course, SIUC wanted it because mm-hmm. oh, we're getting money from the city to pay for mm-hmm. this, and. Chamber of Commerce wanted this because oh we're going to get a new and the coach was telling him, yeah we're going to see more foot traffic. There was no evidence. People students do not come to a do not come and still do not come to a university in general mm-hmm. because of its sports program. Mm-hmm. They come. Uh, I survey my students every year. Why do you come to SEMO? And I did this when I, came, when I was taught at SIUC back mm-hmm. in the 90s. Why are you coming here? Never because of the sports program. Mm-hmm. It's always, I needed to, They have a degree program here. It's close to home. It's far away from home. <laughs> uh, they offer me a better financial aid package than mm-hmm. any place else. They, all, they did offer me a scholarship. The only ones you're going to get there who come, for, in general, who come for athletics is the ones who get offered an athletic scholarship. Mm-hmm. And it was just the whole people uh, getting a generally one comparatively one-sided because the focus was let's we want to do this tax uh, to get people to talk. Uh, to, and we want. And I, I see. I could see where they wanted. They wanted to rebuild because. I don't know if you remember what McAndrew Stadium looked like, oh, yeah, my absolutely. God, that thing was in bad shape. Uh, there was You could walk through the hall and there were chunks of concrete falling out of the wall. <laughs> we needed a new one. But uh, taxes are not – or putting money into a sports facility is not going to bring more revenue or more bodies to campus. All it's going to do is change – if at best, is change – how you are going to spend Mm -hmm. your money. People have a limited amount of discretionary income. You're going to shift it. If you want to go to a football game, then you're going to shift those dollars away from what you were going to spend on going out to dinner or going to a movie. Mm -hmm. And you're going to spend them on a football ticket instead. So I had no real problem well, actually, yeah, I did, because I could have done uh, so much more with others that would have brought students in. Yeah. Use that tax money, and I, I suggested this at the time, but of course not. <laughs> was use that money to fund scholarships, mm-hmm. to because I remember I had read about a, some other schools that were taxing their their communities and using it to fund scholarships to bring students to the campus, mm-hmm. to go to school there. That would have been a good use that would have generated, I, th- I felt, and again, I'm bringing my implicit bias into yeah, it, Yeah. and at least I realize that, but that would have been, a, I think, a better do- a better use of dollars uh, to get people in. This is one of the reasons I kind of, uh, well, I'm on the Saluki Pride Committee with the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons we're, we started pushing the Saluki Stay Scholarships mm-hmm. Is we know that there's a lot, uh, right? well, not a lot, but there are students who come to SIU, and for one reason or another, they cannot afford to stay there ju- after their junior during their junior and senior years. Mm-hmm. So the Saluki State scholarships help provide them some funding, provide them for meals, give them a little some relief. To in, but they have to in in return uh, agree to come back here for their junior or their senior year because it's all in the form of incentive mm-hmm. for you to stay. Because you're getting meals, but you have, they're at Carbondale restaurants. Mm-hmm. You're getting rent, but it's for a Carbondale facility. Mm-hmm. So trying to induce students to come in and stay. And it would have been great if they had put the money into something to induce new students.
0: How sc- long How long has the Lukey State Scholarship been in existence? Uh,
1: it's about five or six years your time flies when yeah. you're having when you're having fun. <laughs> I didn't realize I've been writing this the, the, the this uh, Gazette blog for about uh, so as many years as I have until I go back and oh my god I, this things dated 2010.
0: <laughs> Jesus how is it already 2021 I don't understand oh, this Oh
1: well, I'm glad I'm still around to see what, it
0: was the and I, and I can't remember I, I want to say was the state was this luky say scholarship initially a, a an idea of Barrett rockman's or do you, I do don't you, do you know who it was. Originally? It was a Chamber
1: of Commerce in, uh, okay. initiative, I, or it was, uh, but I don't know if Barrett Rockman was the one who pushed it or not. I just remember, hey, this is. Uh, I remember getting uh, put in front of the uh, uh, Saluki uh, Pride Committee mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, and we've taken and run with it ever since.
0: Okay, cool, cool. I just, I mean, I, some something sticks out in my mind like I read something. Could very something well be. I mini- don't know who. Initiated who initially. initiated the idea could I mean, very well be, it, and, it, and it's, I mean, it's these are like you said, these are the mechanisms, right? What just like we were talking before the podcast about what needs to be in these storefronts downtown, right? That stores, you know, <laughs> if you're gonna have a storefront, there better be a store behind it or something, yeah. <laughs> Again, we have
1: well, it's better than not having anything, I'm gonna because. One of the things we have put in there that take away uh, retail space at Carbondale – sorry, Carbondale Tourism. (laughs) But you're in a perfectly viable storefront down there. You should be over in City Hall or in an upstairs facility Mm -hmm. and free up that that, uh, that, uh, storefront for somebody else, for an actual retail space where Mm -hmm. we can be selling stuff and generating revenue mm-hmm. and generating sales taxes. Carbondale tourism doesn't generate any sales taxes. But on the other hand, as we with so much empty storefront so many empty storefronts in, Carb- it might be a better use of it than leaving it set empty if nobody wants to come in. Yeah. If somebody wants to come in and wants that space, I would say move Carverdale tourism uh, out to someplace else.
0: Yeah well and the 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 other aspect of it being the accessibility, well, if you're if you're wanting to have a central location where you guide people to experiences and activities from you know how do you make, a, a mechanism like Carbondale Tourism, like a Carbondale Main Street, like the Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce, all accessible to somebody simply looking for information physically in sure. a space where you want them to participate.
1: Yeah. Uh, having them downtown, because I remember at one time, let's see, the Chamber was out in Eastgate in a tucked away in a little corner. But again, it doesn't need to be – that's a good place for it. It doesn't need to be a place where it can – it doesn't need a centralized location. Mm-hmm. It should not be. Tourism, possibly. Uh, I've been in other Main Street facilities. They're on upper floors. There's mm-hmm. no, unless they are going to do outreach to the community, they don't need a front and center location mm-hmm. in the downtown. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's better than leaving them set empty.
0: Well, and that, that goes to a whole different conversation on plopping your city hall right into the middle of a downtown as well. And well, but you know. c- city halls traditionally
1: are in downtown. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I do have a problem with the fact that they d- they knocked down an entire square block uh per- per- to, and then left it sit empty for about 10 years while they tried to scrape together funding for the city hall. Mm-hmm. But again, that's was built that's like 20 years ag- third no, I'm sorry, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we knocked down the buildings, and we didn't get the money for it. And we left it sitting empty. Again, it's a no, I, The uh, I I have no problem with the city hall in downtown. Yeah, that's where it should be. It's a central. It's the hub of the community. People should be coming there. It mm-hmm. needs to be in downtown, uh, because it's not. It, it needs to be a place in easy access. Uh, the civic center. I would like to see more parking for the civic center. We need uh more cuz that's one of the things that hobbles the city civic center is there's not enough po- parking for facility for mm-hmm. events there
2: mm-hmm. okay
0: <laughs> no no so no so sometimes i'm uh, looking looking for that looking for that next, next step and <laughs> you get a, you get on a roll and you go are there <laughs> uh do i chime in now or do i okay. <laughs> that, no that was spot on the um um no, the the and you see something uh, you know very different. Probably engaged in the Cape Girardeau community, or I mean, do do you really just kind of go and teach, and then I come go back and teach. And I
1: look around, okay. I and they have in their downtown uh, the same problems that uh, Carbondale does. They have the same empty the, the thing that they have. It's much more of a photogenic tourist, because we have done a fine job of knocking down a lot of old buildings. Mm -hmm. All of downtown Cape Girardeau, well, I don't want to say all, but most of downtown Mm -hmm. Cape Girardeau, looks like the two, three blocks surrounding the square where we Mm -hmm. have the two-story buildings that looked like they were built or that were built uh, 120 years ago that Mm -hmm. are probably not particularly sound Mm -hmm. or well-wired. (laughs) <laughs> most of the buildings in downtown Carbondale meet code mm-hmm. and are much safer. You don't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to turn on this light switch, and boom, <laughs> my electrical system <laughs> blows up. because uh. the, ele- the wiring in most of the buildings in Carbondale is up to code and in a yeah. much better shape. Uh, they, meet far, they meet safety standards, which a lot of those are the older buildings, which look cooler— but they don't mean, But they're not in great condition. Now, does that mean I want to? I'm going to regret when the city knocks down the Carbondale Cycle Building
2: mm-hmm.
1: be, to replace it with the, uh, the new Transit Center, because that's a. Well, it would be a really attractive building if they didn't have that ugly green paint on it. <laughs> but it's a beautiful building, and it adds to the atmospherics in downtown Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, uh, the mass transit, it's, it's multimodal transit system. It's going to people bring people into downtown. It's going to offer them a nicer facility in which to wait. Have you been in the, tri- the Amtrak station recently?
0: No, it's been it's been quite a while.
1: It has too, but it's not uh, aesthetically please uh, aesthetically appealing. Mm-hmm. Putting in the new station with a nicer. Because we don't even have a place to drop off. I, I think the bus just drops off people there, and in, in the turn, in the pull-in, and then hey, have fun, guys. Yep. So having a facility for the bus passengers, and from what I understand, they're going to have a drop-off point there for taxis mm-hmm. and Uber. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a much nicer. I'm going to regret seeing that building up there at the corner of. Uh, Illinois and um, Walnut get dem- get demolished because mm-hmm. I don't think the new building, if, at least from the artist renderings I've seen or the new architectures, uh, is going to replicate it as well or fit in. It's not going to replace that building. It won't be the same architectural
0: style. It, it looks, the you know all the the renderings that have been out there thus far. It looks like a lot of awning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you need awnings if you're yeah. going to be – you don't want to get rained on when you get out of your out of your bus or your taxi. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of – I think the landscaping will be better because mm-hmm. uh, there isn't much down there now. No. Because there's just not – we got the par- – we'll lose the parking lot. And I'm kind of interested to see if the city continue. again, segueing. Mm-hmm. Will the city continue its policy of not – monitoring the parking meters because mm-hmm. as far as i know it hasn't since the and i don't know if you're going to be listening to this maybe start monitoring it again <laughs> but as far as i know they haven't been up, monitoring the, huh? <laughs> they haven't been monitoring parking meters and that's always something i've been uh, is not having parking meters in downtown
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's funny that i i right so I, I i've never i've never been uh a proponent of the parking meters downtown but i i at the same time uh you know really consider uh a lot of the the policy points of uh, you you follow uh um, an organization called strong towns by chance have you ever heard yeah. of it so they're 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 just a they they do a lot of writing and pontificating on on uh, um on just city and municipal policy uh, things you know, everything from you know land use to taxation to uh, you know just just uh, general business development and just a lot, you know a lot of, a lot of ideas mm-hmm. about you know what makes a a a town a strong town a healthy sure. community. And I just read uh, this past week about how parking revenues are such a low-hanging fruit for municipalities to be able to you know, fund, you know, smaller Mm -hmm. projects or things that they see fit. And I look at something like Carbondale's parking revenue, which I, if I, if I I, it's, it's either I'm going to mess this metric up, I'm sure, but it's either our expense is around 150,000. Our revenue Mm is 350,000 or our, our overall revenue is just around 200,000. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. It's been a little bit, but um Go ahead. Sorry. Last
1: time I checked, we are the amount we were taking in covered maintenance of the parking lot.
0: Okay, just flat.
1: Flat. That was my under. Eh, give or take a little bit, but it was. But but the the reason I we put parking meters in because I remember if I remember mm-hmm. for years back mm-hmm. in the '90s we didn't have parking meters. Yeah, and they were put in primarily, and it it, it served a good function because they they, they were. Because you remember the big parking area, the 710 parking lot before Evolve, And what students back in the 90s were doing, because parking permits were expensive, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a student with low discretionary income. They'd go park in the 710 parking lot, leave their car there for 10 hours, Mm -hmm. and go over to campus, and then come back, and it was free parking. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to pay for a parking permit. And I was taking up uh, parking that would have been used by B&A Travel, mm-hmm. Quattro's, Jerry's, mm-hmm. 710, and all the building, uh, Gumby's Pizza, mm-hmm. if you remember the late, or, oh, or yeah. Quiznos. <laughs> uh, and they so that the parking was supposed to be there for them, for their customers, and they couldn't get it because students, by putting a parking meter mm-hmm. in there, it made sure that you – turned over that traffic Mm -hmm. because somebody going into 710 is not going to spend two hours in there, and you could easily buy two hours with a quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was going to keep the students from... And I think the maximum you could buy at the time was two hours. You couldn't buy eight hours with the parking there, or if you could, it was some astronomical amount. Mm -hmm. So it kept students from parking in there because if they came back, they'd get a ticket. And so that ensured turnover of part of people parking in that parking lot and freed it up for customers who were going into those uh, businesses
0: yeah and that, and that has been the argument for a lot of folks being like listen the reason why we have you know pay to park right now is because you know years ago it was to manage the mm-hmm. abundance of traffic sure. in these areas and now that we have you know very limited, traffic yeah uh in these areas what what still makes makes sense to go and i you know i i struggle personally the the accessibility component of it that you know now instead of you know you get out of your car boom there's meter we're we're done now it's get out of your car go to the kiosk go back mm-hmm. and you know it's then you're starting to put barriers between the consumer and the you know businesses that ultimately they're going to go uh, you know, engage with. And it's not, it's not, you know, i you know, for a lot of folks, a major, um, you know, barrier, but, mm-hmm. uh, for, for a number of folks out there, uh, you know, just the mental idea of, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't like this experience once I, yeah. I'm not going to go back and do it again two weeks later when I want breakfast, you know, at, at Mary Lou's. So I'm not going to stop and hit the kiosk and do whatever. I'm sure. just going to hit the drive-through and keep going.
1: From the city's point of view, though, kiosks are a lot more efficient. Oh yeah,
0: because they can manage it for them much better.
1: They can manage it because I only have one place I have to check, rather than going and checking every frigging individual parking meter in downtown. So, uh, very <laughs> much more efficient. Not sure if it is a, as an effective as allowing me to put up there. Now, if we could use credit cards on the meters mm-hmm. or credit because I think we can use credit cards on the kiosks, mm-hmm. but if you had had a, a swipe on the meter. That would have been very effective Mm -hmm. and efficient.
0: Yeah, but then we got to get our downtown Wi-Fi to work if we want everything to connect. Do we have downtown Wi-Fi, (sighs) Scott?
1: I I actually have used the downtown Wi-Fi at a period where the stores' uh, Wi-Fi went, internet went out. For I don't remember where it, what 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 the rationale was, but I was going down and sitting with my computer on the uh, in the town de- depot and the pavilion and like, getting onto the uh, onto the city's Wi-Fi and it was perfect. It was inconvenient, but it was powerful enough. I was able to use it for uh, about the week that our that our Wi-Fi really? was out. yeah, good, good. So it was cold,
0: <laughs> but it was functional. Yes, <laughs> that's good. I you know I've I've not I've not had. Uh, in in a, a time where the downtown Wi-Fi functioned well for for me and, and I've it, heard that.
1: They keep doing it and we, part of the deal is we're with, I think whoever we have our, our, our agreement with, they're supposed to be providing downtown Wi-Fi, but it has. And I have, I haven't checked it for years because I got my ooh, I got my phone here with my own portable Wi-Fi on yeah. it. so I don't have to, but for students who don't have, that and who need to use Wi-Fi, having something would be an incentive to get them into come. Gov- and that was the original purpose was to use it as an incentive mm-hmm. to get people to come into downtown, so they weren't mooching. I'm sorry, taking <laughs> advantage <laughs> of uh, local businesses that mm-hmm. uh, who were using and they were and using up all the available bandwidth.
0: Yeah, the um, you know, and it'll be uh, it'll it'll be in the blink of an eye that. All of a sudden, this town is, uh, you know, has functional 5G, and then things like the the Wi-Fi networks are, uh, you know, even even less, yeah, um, you know, valuable to uh, to the folks because you know the the whole point of this you know this uh, you know 5G technology is to be able to provide a wireless replacement for hardwired, uh, you know, internet.
1: Yeah, I don't even check anymore to see if I have, you know, Wi-Fi connections anymore because my phone plan is reasonably priced enough mm-hmm. that it's just as easy for me to use it or use my uh, phone data as it is for me to oh, is there a Wi-Fi around here? Let me let me move my neck around like this and see if <laughs> I could pick up a signal yeah. by stretch not good stretching out my arm around this corner to see if I could pick up something mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't had to do that. I haven't even thought about doing that for years.
0: <laughs> technology moves. Yeah, technology moves. Well, I we're we're getting into the later throws of the podcast. I love I love the conversation that we have had thus far, Scott. But there there are a couple of things that I absolutely have to touch on okay. uh, before I get too too far out there. One is always the what is what is usually the introductory question of. What brought you to Carbondale? How did you come to be in Carbondale? Uh, and all that fun stuff. And, and the other will be, you know, we'll, we'll kind of transition from that into uh, talking about Castle Perilous. Because <gasps> <laughs> yeah, I don't I right, write a novel idea to talk about yeah. something that's so very you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and, and just give some insight to that, because you really are a, you, know, you, you have you have created this iconic entity in this town that is not just you. Um, you know, there's not just, you know, iconic standalone, but really has, has fed into uh, a, a, you know, broader community and, and allowed Carbondale to, you know, provide for the the folks that have an interest in, in gaming and, and media and niche, um, you know, cultural activities. So, rewinding a little bit, how, what brought you to Carbondale to begin with?
1: I assume a motor car is not the answer you're looking for?
0: Uh I'll accept it.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I got tired of working for Walmart back in 90 uh-huh. and decided, ah, let's go get a master's degree because what else does one do when one gets tired of working for Walmart? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm up here in Mount Vernon. The, I, can go down to, I could go to Harvard and get a master's degree or I could go to SIUC. SIUC is much closer and cheaper. So I came down here, got a master's degree, uh, got applied for my master's degree, taught at SIUC for several years, uh, got my doctorate, started the business, then uh, and have been here ever since.
0: Nice. And the business. Let's talk through the the lifespan of Castle Perilous. First off, name. Awesome name.
1: Yeah, I would. If I was to do it again, I wouldn't call it that.
0: What would you call it if you uh, had probably to
1: Shawnee Games, Shawnee games. or Carbondale Games or Ozark, Illinois Ozark Games, or something that ties into the local area? But eh, it's Castle Perilous. I've got 30 years brand equity built up into it. I'm not changing it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean that's, right and that's one thing. that Once came from a board to- game. I, I was playing a board game. The SIUC Strategic Game Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, we one summer we were playing. Uh, it, it was in a, a playing game board games in one of the halls on campus, and we it was a, a King Arthur board game. And if you're at all familiar with the King Arthur legends, you have uh, during the quest for the Holy Grail, they visited the uh, Forest Perilous, the Chapel Perilous and the Castle Perilous Ah. in Seeking the Holy Grail. And those were three of the spaces on the game. And a friend of mine, you know, you really ought to name one of these things in the Forest Perilous Games and Book. No, that didn't go. Chapel Perilous sounded a little bit sacrilegious. (laughs) Oh, Castle Perilous, that has a good ring to it. Mm -hmm. So I I say, okay, sure, if I ever open up a game store, I'll name it Castle Perilous. And I opened up a game store and named it Castle Perilous. <laughs> so I have people come. Oh, did you name it after the John Delancey books or the uh, King Arthur legends? No, it's a play. It's a spot on a and Games board game.
0: <laughs> so you brought in a a bank of retail experience and understanding to uh, launching. Well, I had the taught,
1: I had worked retail before, and I had also sold games mail order and at conventions in the St. Louis area for about ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. So I had some experience in the field. When I opened the store up, we did not have there. If you lived here a long time, uh, uh, you would remember Book World. Mm-hmm. It's located down where it was, where Campus Cuts is now, on mm-hmm. the south end of the street. <laughs> uh, Book and,
0: World, if I recall correctly.
1: Yes, it was two words. Very yeah, good. Uh, well, World. Uh,
0: there, there was. There, uh, never mind. I'm not. I'm not going to go off onto that end. Let, oh, you let's had Book
1: World, sh- then you had Book <laughs> Depot.
0: Yeah. Okay. All
1: and right. both anyhow, Book World, oh, had a stretch of uh, one wall of board games, mm-hmm. and uh, primarily run role-playing games. They their big and miniatures, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And there was enough of a demand for it that I said, eh, I could probably I'll let them have the books because most of the money was come off at the time came off of selling used Playboy mm-hmm. magazines. So. <laughs> Uh, I think I've, that's
0: part of where the book world quotation marks came yes. into play with some of the... <laughs> yeah,
1: there was a section in the back of the, of the, of the building, from mm. what I understand. Not that I ever went there, of course. Yeah. But, uh, but anyhow, I opened up a store on the second floor of the island because, God, that was all I could afford at the time. Mm-hmm. And put it in, and it proved slowly successful so that over the next 10 years... Twelve years, we expanded over to take over the top. I think we had about eighty-five percent of the top floor of the what's now, mm-hmm. what people call the Island Building. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, when the opportunity to pick up the spot, I was looking for it because there wasn't much more I could under, I, I could expand into mm-hmm. because we had most of the top of it, and I was getting pretty crowded. So when the opportunity, I started looking around for a place, and had, when the 207 location came up, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, we'll buy this. Yeah. And we moved up there back about, uh, I think it was about 2007. Mm-hmm. And we've been there ever since. It's a. Happily.
0: It's a beautiful, it's just a beautiful building. Just that, that bright white and red. Yeah, and, and a big able rock. And you to accent it accordingly, and.
1: And the big rock out in front makes it easy to identify.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, at some point there was a nice gazebo, but you know. <laughs> uh,
1: well, let's say it's, it di- died in service to saving the castle.
0: That that, <laughs> that it did. I, <laughs> I yeah, uh, that, yeah, that. For anybody
1: who doesn't catch that, there was an auto wreck there earlier last year, and we had a gazebo in front of the building, and it protected uh, the uh, the most of the building from the impact of the car mm-hmm. so but unfortunately the poor gazebo did give up its life and got <laughs> hauled away unceremoniously i think we did have a norse viking fu- f- funeral pyre for it
0: <laughs> i i remember if i if i recall correctly the the um the the purple signs uh that that are like love or forgive yeah. or what what have you from uh, um uh saint francis xavier saint, saint mm-hmm. francis thank you um, you know being out front I, and I remember like the forgive sign being there in front of the wreckage. Yep. and I just thought how how poignant to have the forgive sign there where, where <laughs> there will be yes. some uh, uh, to just neat neat memories. I'm sure not amazing memories on your end. I mean, yeah. happy to have the building, but not always great to.
1: <laughs> I would rather not have a car try to come in through my front window, but right. on the other hand, nobody was hurt and uh the insurance covered everything so that's what one has insurance for that is it one that does not it. plan to have a car come hurtling into the front of your building
0: <laughs> so how how has your business changed over time and what are some of the things that are very much the same okay
1: uh, here's where well, we started off uh, i the theory or the Market for the types of products, it was primarily role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, appealed to a very specific market niche. And the two markets that you, or the things you looked for when setting up a business like that was either A, a college, mm-hmm. which, hey, we have one here, mm-hmm. or B, a military base, because mm-hmm. at the time a lot of young military men uh, were playing these sort of games. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I looked for a place. I thought about getting a place. There was a, uh, an opening in front of Scott Air Force Base at the time, and I thought about renting that. But mm-hmm. I wound up. I was going to college down here, and I really the commute the commute would have been a hell of a pain. Yeah. So we opened up down here, and over time, at the time, uh, my sales when we started off it was eighty percent SIUC students, mm-hmm. about twenty percent people who would wander in and kind of look around. What is this stuff here? Mm-hmm and uh, then they would might come back and get interest, but over time uh as the students uh, have become more digitally aware and they're much more likely to play on online platforms mm-hmm. and use pdfs and they frankly they don't have a lot of, as much discretionary income mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they're going to buy it as cheap as possible. Well, our, our, our focus has shifted more towards local residents and mm-hmm. the last time i checked we do about seventy to seventy five percent sales to local non uh, college students mm-hmm. and about twenty five percent to college students. Wow. But th- again, it's important to remember Carbondale would not be as big as it is if it did not have SIUC. Oh, there's absolutely. a symbiotic relationship between the two I, as uh, SIUC does well carbondale does well mm-hmm. if siuc and it's not the other way around S- carbondale doing well doesn't have that much of an effect on siuc
2: mm-hmm.
1: siuc unfortunately is the dog wagging the carbondale tail
2: mm-hmm.
1: if S-I-U- when S- if we can turn around si and god knows we've tried to turn we've turned siuc around so many times we're back where we started from <laughs> but if they can get figure out what uh, uh, how to fix SIUC and build enrollment back up? Uh, the phrase a rising tide lifts all bolts would be quite applicable here. Mm-hmm. Carbonell would see a definite re a growth a reemergence of its fortunes. Yeah. You would see every all those empty storefronts in downtown filled yeah. because people would want to be selling stuff, but we need, you can't lose half the population Mm -hmm. of a uh, like siuc has and not see a corresponding decline in revenue and the economy of the surrounding uh, surrounding community
0: i mean the reality is you know bodies participate in transactions transactions generate the revenue uh and the revenue is what's used to further yeah. Uh, you know, the the actions and, and the activities of, you know, the, just that it's a closed loop, really. And <laughs> we've had a
1: decline in those bodies and nobody has been able to figure out how to change it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Me, I've always thought uh, it was uh, the fact that we haven't had a someone of the stature of Delight Morris as the head of the university mm-hmm. for the, Morris was, I believe, 45 to about 80 if i recall correctly Mm -hmm. and when you have somebody yeah his ideas may have gotten ossified and toward the end of his life yeah he got forced out and had problems but his focus was on the university Mm -hmm. uh we were the first one we were one of the first universities to actively embrace the gi bill we Mm -hmm. had a lot of gi's coming here to school we were one of the first universities to actively seek out and bring in international students Mm At one time back during the 90s, we were the number two uh, size of resident, number two for more. We had the second largest Indian student community mm-hmm. of any university in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we active, were one of the first universities to actively recruit uh, students under the ADA and welcome disabled students here. And that was all part of Delight Morris. We don't have anybody, at least, sorry, SIUC, if I'm wrong, we don't have anybody the stature of a Buckminster Fuller Mm -hmm. on campus anymore. Mm -hmm. And he, whether or not he taught much, uh, because he, from what I understand, was only obligated to teach about one class a semester, but he brought national attention to SIUC. And none of the uh, heads of the university that have followed him have come in with such a focus on the university and a strategic plan, whether it was a strategic plan or tactics, but to get students to come here. Mm-hmm. Today, we have a lot more competition for international students from all, from universities all around the country. Mm-hmm. We can't rely on them anymore. Uh, most universities now are uh, seeking or are, are uh, accepting uh, and becoming more welcoming to disabled students. Mm-hmm. Universities now, uh, heck, a lot of online universities are actively seeking out uh, GIs mm-hmm. and using government bended, which is a big problem for the online universities because they don't provide a good education in a lot, especially if they're for profit. So those revenue streams, for want of a better word, that, we, that drove the university's growth during the 50s, 60s and 70s mm-hmm. are no longer there. Yeah. Where are we going to go?
0: Then the question is what, you know, and, and it's not about recreating, you know, what has happened in the past, no, right? We can't. Because the, the reality is we've already s- built those standards into mm-hmm. our activity, right? The question is what is the thing that, you know, 10 years from now mm-hmm. is going to be the thing that everybody wants to look to do in higher education, and why aren't we doing that Okay. Well, we
1: have a nationally recognized auto tech program. Oh, yeah. We have a nationally recognized aviation program. Mm -hmm. We had, I'm not sure if it still is considered, we had a nationally recognized journalism program.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, We had fairly well recognized people in the business program, I know because I was there, but (laughs) whether or not they're still there or not, because I I haven't uh, been there for a number of years, but Mm And, but we don't – the university does not seem to do a good job. It may be it does it behind the scenes, and they, but they don't trumpet it in this era mm-hmm. or area that, hey, we're doing this, this, and this. They should be getting press releases out into the Times, out in the DE, mm-hmm. out into the Southern, out into uh, WTF Carbondale, <laughs> out until uh, WSIU or any news stations mm-hmm. on a regular basis talking about what is what is – powerful or unique about the university is going to bring more students in
0: yeah well and I, I think you know the the question of what is you know accountability to the community for the university right and and, and you know the siu's uh you know internal news functions that pushes out things from from news.siu.edu uh, mm-hmm. um you know focuses on a lot of the the, the feel-good yeah. activities right but uh, you know, doesn't I, I think you're right. Doesn't give as much exposure to the nitty gritty of the work that's being done. And I think that just like any old uh, math professor would want you to do, it's it's the it's the concept of show your work. Sure. Right. And and you know, there's there's a difference between saying, hey, here's an outcome, and saying here is how we got to that outcome. Yeah. Those are those are two distinctly different stories to tell.
1: I think SIUC, because I remember back under Rita Chang, one of their big initiatives was banners mm-hmm. no <laughs> no banners banners are cool in the downtown but that's not an initiative mm-hmm. that's a that's uh, advertising yep and that's not you're not going to get students coming into town because of banners. yeah it makes it look cooler once you get people here it makes it look welcoming but... Uh, That you're uh, much like you're not going to get people here because you're to uh, a non-athletic student come here because of your athletic program. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get people to come here before banners. Yep. And thank God the university and we no longer have the pony. (laughs) God, I cannot believe anybody (laughs) let them put the pony. Okay, that's another story. Well,
0: that's that's exactly right. Right where we land for episode uh 55 as i get the camera to focus in on me here uh with scott Thorne, uh, another interesting person living an interesting life in this little old place we call home carbondale illinois thank you scott it was a wonderful conversation one that uh you know as i you know figure out kind of who folks will be as we get into maybe the hundreds of episodes who do we need to revisit conversations with scott is undoubtedly one of those folks and as i always say have a good one folks whatever that one may be